paid? I would say that today was the first day it felt like things were a bit back to normal in Philadelphia. Uh, but yeah, this was a a wild last twenty uh, last forty eight hours. I would say you know in in Flyers world, uh, just because the fact that that Cutter Gauthier, a guy who you know obviously was the fifth overall pick back in twenty twenty two for the Flyers, um, that was one of the best players at the World Juniors these past couple of weeks. You know, he was on the tip of everyone's tongue in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is in the midst of a rebuild, and when you're in the midst of a rebuild, you're paying very close attention to your top prospects. And then, you know, four minutes after puck drop on Monday, one of those top prospects is gone. So, uh, so things have died down a bit since then. I think now the focus in Philadelphia is on Jamie Drysdale, who will be making his debut today. But, uh, but it has been a wild last couple of days, to be sure. It's it's always interesting. I remember Adam Fox first with Calgary. Uh, and then with Carolina, ended up get, getting moved along, and and you know he ended up playing in New York, and he's a hell of a player. So I I get the angst about it, and and of course there's a lot of been reporting uh, since the initial first blush of the deal. Um, I'm always hesitant to to kind of rip these teenagers because they they have you know their priorities. I remember when Eric Lindros was told uh, told the Quebec Nordiques to to you know he wasn't going to don't draft me, I'm not going to play there. Uh, and it, it became very prolonged. Uh, and as it turned out, he ended up in Philadelphia. And the, the ownership in Quebec became famous for lots of other reasons. I'm always hesitant to, to maybe make a, an early judgment on this kind of thing. And I, I also think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that, that Daniel Briard made out about as well as one could expect. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think the Flyers, you know, did their best to make the best of a bad situation. And, and to be clear, I, I'm, I'm very much in favor of, you know, players having any rights that they have. I think the, 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 the team player relationship is definitely skewed. If you're talking about power, it's skewed in favor of the team. This is one of the few uh, avenues that players have in terms of real control. If they don't want to sign with their team, they can choose not to, and, and they can potentially, if they're a college player, they can wait all four years and sign with someone else. I think the, the, the part of this, and the hard truth is that we're not really going to know the details unless Cutter Gauthier or someone in Cutter Gauthier's camp uh, reveals exactly why uh, he did not want to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers. But I think the distinction here and the reason why I would say that at least now the Flyers come off as a bit more sympathetic is the, the, the distinction between the Lindros situation, which obviously the Flyers know very well, at least organizationally, was that Lindros straight up told Quebec that if you draft me, I'm not going to sign with you. And then they drafted him anyway. And it was kind of like, okay, well, he told you, you know, this is sort of what you had to expect. He wasn't lying. The Gauthier situation is different because when the Flyers took him in 2022, he was very, very open about the fact that he was excited to be a Flyer, that he wanted to join the Flyers. It's not like they drafted him without knowing this. What happened in this situation is that at some point, and the time frame has kind of been been pinpointed as Somewhere between March of 2023 and May of 2023, Gautier changed his mind. Now, to be fair, Gautier has every right to change his mind, but it is a little bit different in that the Flyers took him under the assumption that he was open to signing and wanted to play for the team. And then, you know, a little, little less than a year later, he decides he doesn't. And then when the Flyers try to figure out why he doesn't, he basically cuts off all communication. So what will be interesting is if 
Gautier does ultimately, you know, open up as to why he decided he didn't want to be a flyer. As long as he and his camp stay mum, though, the way this looks from the outside is that this is a kid who changed his mind and then wasn't willing to tell the team why he changed his mind, which is why I think at least where we're at now in terms of the information we have, the flyers probably come off as a little bit more sympathetic. Charlie O'Connor, our guest from Philly Sports. It comes at an interesting time because (coughs) the Flyers are at a – this is such a great race between the Flyers, Islanders, Devils, Caps, Carolina, Pittsburgh. This is nuts, right? Like this this race is for the the playoffs. (coughs) Yeah, it's it's really tight. And I think that was, you know, one of the points of frustration on the part of the Flyers brain trust. I'm talking general manager, Danny Briere, president of hockey operations, Keith Jones. Um, and then the, the other members of the organization that went to Sweden to try to meet with Gauthier at the world juniors was that I think all they wanted really, I mean, obviously they wanted him to say, yes, I want to sign with you guys. I want to be a flyer again, but all they really wanted was an opportunity to kind of make their case. I think it's fair to say that because we sort of pinpointed this time frame of when Gautier changed his mind to be March to May of last year. That was right around the time the Flyers organization was kind of in turmoil. Chuck Fletcher had been fired. Flyers were breaking in an interim GM in Briere. The, uh, the the head uh, of the ownership group was retiring and being replaced with somebody brand new. Things were kind of a mess, and I think it's much. totally understandable for a player like Gauthier, especially if there was a miscommunication about his contract, which Elliot Friedman reported yesterday. Um, I think it's totally understandable for Gauthier to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to sign with these guys. This is kind of a mess. And I think what Briere and Jones and the rest of the Flyers wanted to do with Gauthier at the World Juniors was basically be like, look at us now. You know, now, yeah, things were a little crazy. You know, last last March, last May, we get it. But now we're a team that's battling for a playoff spot. We drafted Mafe Mitchkoff. You know, we're we're a stable organization. We're in a big market. You know, let's let let us try to sell you on the possibility of being a part of this. And Gauthier still basically was like, no, I'm not meeting with you guys. I made my decision. And again, fair. But it's worth noting that. The Flyers do seem to be riding the ship. You know, they are in the midst of this playoff race. We'll see if they stay in it. Obviously, you know, over the last maybe three, four weeks or so, with the exception of a few games, uh, the Flyers do seem to be tailing off a bit. They, they struggled on Monday against the, against the Penguins. They had a, a losing streak uh, after Christmas. So this might be the start of them declining. That said, they've had some really good games in the midst of that, too. They had a really good game last Saturday against the, the Calgary Flames. So it's certainly not over. They're certainly in the mix. Uh, but I do think that that does play into some of the frustration on the Flyers' part is that, you know, we are, uh, at least in their mind, they believe that this is an organization turning the corner, and they wonder if maybe Gauthier was holding <laughs> the sins of the past against them. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a very good point. And the other side of it is, uh, I'm getting a ton of text saying, Ask him, you know, when the Flyers are going to start unloading players at the deadline or near the deadline. And, I, like, I don't think they're, they are there yet. And I don't think the – maybe if the Flyers are contenders, I don't see them offloading talent uh, because that wouldn't make any sense, right? It's an interesting question because I interviewed Danny Briere back in December. It was right before they actually won a really impressive game against the Avalanche in Denver. And I asked him, you know, what the plan for the uh, the deadline might be. And he more or less said, look, I don't envision a scenario where we're going to be buying. I think that holds. So really it comes down to whether they sell or whether they hold. 
And I think there's a way for them to kind of strategically sell without making it clear that they are just giving up on a playoff spot. So uh, l- let's look at it this way. Like, do I think they're going to be shopping Travis Konechny or, or somebody like that, you know, or Cam Atkinson players that, you know, are, are veterans that are, are key parts of this. No, no. I think those guys are absolutely safe, but you look at this defense core now. Okay. So obviously you have guys like Travis Sanheim, Cam York. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're, they're pieces for the present and the future. They just traded for Jamie Drysdale. Okay. Sean Walker is a guy where he's been a really important part of this thing. Right. Like so far this year, they, they got him in a cap dump from LA. However, you look at their situation. Travis Sanheim has excelled on the right side for the Flyers. He's a left-handed shooting defenseman, but he's been fantastic this year as a right-side defenseman. <clears throat> Jamie Drysdale is a, is a right-handed shooting defenseman. They drafted Oliver Bonk last year in the first round. So now you have potentially three right-side defensemen that are, that are here and presumably going to be part of this over the long term. Sean Walker suddenly, and he's a, he's a, a rental. He's a guy with an expiring contract. Suddenly you look at Sean Walker and you say – you know, he's been a huge part of this this year, but if we're not going to re-sign him, and we know that we're not necessarily, even if we make the playoffs, we're not a cup team. We know that. We're probably a, a one-and-done club. It probably makes more sense for the long term for us to get as much as we can for Walker, given that he's not part of the future, and given the fact that they still, uh, by their own admission, are rebuilding. So I think there are ways for them to strategically move guys like Walker, you know, maybe a guy like Nick Sealer, because they have young guys down in the minors on defense that are that are pushing for spots that are really close to being NHL ready. I think you can move out some guys without necessarily waving the white flag to the locker. I want to ask you about, uh, I look at the, once a day at least, I look at the five-on-five points per 60 at natural stat trick. Elias Patterson's number one at 316. McDavid, number two at 312. Joel Farabee is number three at 3.09 points per 60. And I know he's, you know, he's making five mil, and I know he was a first-round pick. But I, I, and I know that people cover him, and I know that lots have been written about him. But I think he's a guy who um, maybe not everybody who's an NHL fan knows what a, an incredible run this young man is on. I think he's he's highly underrated, and, and I think he's taken a big step forward this year for the Flyers. If you go back through his results pretty much um, since his second year, he's been a strong 5-on-5 five five scorer for quite a while. Now, this year he's taking a, uh, another step forward, but he's been a good goal scorer 5-on-5 five five for quite a while. This year, he's turning into a good all-around 5-on-5 five five player. He's starting to uh, you know, push play in the right direction and become a line driver. I want um, to see, playmaking ability wanna see really him dancing, uh, walking month, around month on those. A lot of goals what do you call it? Really high-difficulty primary assists. So I think he's a guy where the main reason why he is underrated right now is that he doesn't, he hasn't produced on the power play pretty much at all, which deflates his overall point production. I don't think Joel Farabee is ever going to be a power play driver. I don't think he has that kind of dynamic offensive skill set, but I do think he can put up points on a power play if he's on a power play with a power play driver. So to me, and I was having a conversation with, with somebody yesterday about this, to me, Joel Farabee's the kind of guy where, like, the year that Matthew Mitchkov comes over to the Flyers and, you know, they're obviously looking at him as a guy who's going to supercharge the power play when he shows up like that year, suddenly Joel Farabee's 
you know, point production is going to jump from him being a 55-point-a-year guy to being an 80-point-a-year guy just because the power play points are there, and suddenly everybody's going to be talking about him, when in reality, he's basically the same guy. It's just that now he's on a functioning power play and not the worst in the league. So I think Farabee has taken a real leap this year, is a legitimately really good player, and turning into, you know, a legitimate core piece for this club. But you might not see him get the the national attention until this team can finally get a, a functioning power play and he can get some points in that situation too. Uh, Jamie Drysdale play tonight, and where do you see him playing in terms of you know special teams? How much even strength time? So I did speak with uh, John Tortorella today after more <clears throat> before morning skate. Uh, Jamie Drysdale is in the lineup, so he will be playing tonight against the Montreal Canadiens here in, uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, good question on ice time. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. Um, they are using seven defensemen tonight, so that does give Tortorella the opportunity to to limit Drysdale's ice time if he wants. Obviously, he's getting used to a new team, new teammates. It's really an entirely different defensive zone system. The, uh, the Anaheim Ducks play a, a man-to-man defense in their own zone. The Flyers play a zone so he's going to have to uh, to adjust to that I'm sure that's going to take some time um, that said yesterday at practice he was paired with Travis Anaheim and Travis Anaheim has been the Flyers functional number one this year so if that holds you know Drysdale could get a fair amount of minutes even in his very first game maybe they'll just you know throw him into the fire and see how the kid reacts but you know we'll find out in a few hours he's definitely going to play and I don't expect him to only get six or seven minutes. I think he's going to easily clear 15, but I think it really just depends on whether he actually ends up with Sanheim or not as to, to whether he's a, a big minutes guy or, or they ease him in a little bit. Charlie O'Connor, thank you for this. Appreciate it.